Hi, it's Emma. Grace and I are still working on season two, and in the meantime, I'm here talking about the news. I'll share just a little bit of language to try to tell very incomplete stories. As always, the language isn't right and it isn't prescriptive. It's incomplete and deeply imperfect. It's invitation to use your own mind and language to tell as full and true a story as you can. And I will do my best today. Um, I'll talk about the massacre at the Topps grocery store in Buffalo, New York. I want to tell you something that's really, really hard for me to talk about. And it's hard to talk about because it's a true story that makes me and many, many, many other people really angry and really sad and really scared. And the true story is that a white boy drove in his car to a place he knew would have mostly black people people who have some or many ancestors in their family from Africa. And he walked into a grocery store, which you've been to a grocery store before. That's a place people get food. We all need food to stay alive. And he used a gun, a really big, fast gun, to kill many, many people in the store. And he used his gun to make their bodies stop working forever. And the people he killed were incredibly incredibly important and they were loved so so much by their family and their friends and their community and they were people that deserved to live for a long long time and to be healthy and to be joyful and they deserve not to have been hurt and killed ever and not in this way And before I keep telling you about how they were made to die, I want to tell you their names and just a little bit about them. Ruth Whitfield was coming back from visiting her husband at a nursing home, and she visited him every day. And Roberta Drury was very loving and liked to talk to a lot of people around her. Aaron Salter cared very, very much for the people around him and helped save people's lives that day before he was killed. Hayward Patterson had a daughter and a wife who said that he was a really loving person. Pearl Young was a teacher who really loved her students and her students really loved her. Geraldine Talley's best friend was her sister and they talked to each other every single day. Celestine Cheney had six grandchildren. Catherine Massey was a civil rights activist, which means she worked really hard to make her home more safe and free for black people. Margus Morrison was a wonderful father who was always helping people. Andre McNeil, was also a wonderful father and he was at the grocery store buying a birthday cake for his child who had just turned three years old. 
happened to these wonderful people is so scary and so unfair and so violent. The person who did this wrote a lot about why he did this. And that helps us understand that he believed a really, really awful lie, something that's not true, that says that black people aren't important and that there's too many black people. And this person who did this believed a really, really violent lie that says this country is only for white people who are Christian. So they believe that Jesus is God. And this person believes that there are too many people in this country whose ancestors are from Africa and that this country doesn't belong to everyone. It just belongs to people like him, white people who are Christian. And he also believes that there's too many people in this country who are indigenous to North and South America, too many people who are indigenous to Asia, too many people who are Jewish. And people on TV do an ex- really, really unfair thing, and they say this lie over and over, and more and more people around us are believing it, even though it's incredibly wrong and incredibly unfair and very, very, very unsafe. And a word to describe this white person, this white boy, this white young man, um, who did this is a terrorist. And a terrorist means someone who kills people in ways that are really scary and usually because they believe an untrue story about those people. And the word terrorist has the word terror, which means like so, so scared or afraid. And the white person who did this shooting said that he wanted black people to feel unsafe no matter where they were, like maybe including a grocery store buying food for their families. And doing things to try to make people feel afraid is, is just so wrong. It's so, so unfair. And where we live, most of the people who are terrorists and kill big groups of people are white boys and white men. And another word to describe this person is a, a white supremacist. And that word means someone who believes that white people and things connected to white people are better than other people, than all other people. And this is incredibly untrue. White people are important only because we are human beings, not because we are white. And I'm saying we because I am also a white person. So I think it's important to talk about not just other people, but myself too. And white people, we are the same amount important and absolutely not more important than any and all other people on earth. And I'm telling you this because I believe that I can't do a fair job taking care of you if I don't tell you the truth about this world that belongs to you just like it belongs to everyone else living on it. And I'm also telling you this because the person who did this was pretty much a kid. They were older than you, but not that much older than you. And I think the grown-ups in that person's life did not do a good job taking care of him. They didn't tell him the truth, and that helped make him into a very, very scary and dangerous person. So what happened is his fault. He did something really, really, really wrong. He made a choice to do this. And I also think it's the fault and responsibility, too, of the grown-ups around him who helped make him 
into someone who believes really, really awful violent lies and then thinks it's okay to hurt people because of those lies he believes. So while it feels negligent for me as a white person not to talk about the death of these sacred black folks, it also feels negligent not to talk about black people's joy and brilliance and love and resilience and resistance. And so we're going to close today with Grace reflecting on black folks' joy. Thank you, Emma. Hey, everybody, it's Grace. I wanted to hop on quickly and share something that's been important to me this week. And it's connected to something Emma and I have shared on past podcasts regarding sharing stories and tools and practices of joy and resilience alongside those hard stories um, in our history. One, because they help our own resilience. Two, because they always come together anyway. And for me this week, it's come in the form of a TikTok. I was trying to think about what it meant for me and and try to put some words to it that I'm going to read. So this is my very favorite trend on the interwebs right now. There are dozens of these on TikTok and I can't get enough. Grown black men taking videos of themselves playing outside. This trend started before the Buffalo murders. This sweet joy is not necessarily in defiance of anything and it is hard won. How can you not love black people? A whole culture built on a soul-filled improvisation towards freedom. Despite what feels like trying to make a home in a place with the incredible capacity to tolerate the agony and slow genocide of black folks, forgiveness is reflected back. It is alchemized into art, music, dance, humor, Black people are the Houdinis of humanity. Our love escapes every time. It cannot be bound. The deep tradition of practicing ecstatic joy. It is courageous and sacred. It is contagious. There is nothing wasteful about black men frolicking. I want to thank the original creator of this TikTok, the ex-sad-ex optimist and you'll be able to hear him and a couple of other creators chaz bruce zero and the kicks plug t-h-e-k-i-x-x plug at the end of the podcast thank you to all the creators who shared their frolicking i'm so grateful for your joy depending on who your child is and their age and their attention span You most likely won't say all of this at once. These snippets of language are missing questions. They're missing space to listen and talk through feelings and body sensations. They don't include stories of resistance or actions children might take to stay engaged. And they are perhaps a beginning and absolutely not an end. If you're curious to explore resources and book recommendations from the show, please check out the book and resource list in the show notes. For those of you new to the podcast, please check out our full episodes from season one if you want. 
I'm accompanied by my beloved friend, Grace Aldrich, where we role-play conversations about race and racial violence. Thank you, as always, to Echo Finch for the sound design. Gracie, I love you. As always, please write to us at thefullstoryschool at gmail.com if you have any requests for conversations for us to have on here or events in the news you'd be interested in hearing some language ideas about. I hope y'all are doing okay. Bye. That's what we do. We frolicking. Let me get my frolic on. Oh, oh. <laughs>